Hello and welcome to the WLEI Podcast. I'm executive producer Josh Raposa. So one of the many things we do here at LEI, besides research and partnering with companies and conducting summits and training, uh, we publish books. One of our latest books is called Four Types of Problems. It's written by Art Smalley. It's available on lean.org. In the 1980s, Art was one of the first Americans to work for Toyota Motor Corporation in Japan. He's also worked as a consultant and a teacher for several years since then. He's the author of several other books, like Creating Level Pull, Toyota's Kaizen Methods, and Understanding A3 Thinking. Art will also be conducting a learning session at the 2019 Lean Summit in Houston that takes place this March 27 and 28. Before we jump into the podcast, it's important to know a few things about four types of problems, as it's just not about classifying the problems. It's a classifying the problems first, and then he helps you identify strategies to solve those problems. It really is not just a problem identification book, it's a problem solving book. Speaking with Art today will be LAI's Director of Communications, Jet Martwinski. Jet, take it away. Hi, Art. Welcome to the podcast, and congratulations on the book. Thank you, Jet. Thanks for the uh, opportunity to speak with you guys today. And we should mention that the uh, name of the book, which has just been published by the Lean Enterprise Institute, is Four Types of Problems from Reactive Troubleshooting to Creative Innovation. And Art, let's since it's a book about problem solving, let's start with uh, explaining what business problem will the book help managers solve. Well, I'd say it's uh, attempting to get better results faster. Oh, that's we're all interested in that in the lean world, and uh, a lot of organizations get get stuck. So this is not going to solve cancer, world hunger, anything like that. But mm-hmm. certain situations where people are stuck, this is a way to frame and think about problem solving differently than they have potentially in the past. Yeah, it sounds like it's really like a, uh, a lens or a way of critical thinking. You're, you're not introducing a new methodology or something like that. Yeah, not really. Again, these, these types all exist in Toyota, and, you know, Toyota people that I speak with kind of nod, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, exactly, yeah, yeah, we go about it that way. And um, it harks back to conversations I had with, you know, one of the inventors of the original Toyota problem-solving way, you know, 30 years ago a man named Isao Kato, and he used to say, Art, like, even problem solving, TPS, TPS is a bigger question, but just take problem solving, it's like six sides of a cube. You know, you got to look at things from different angles and perspectives sometimes, and, uh, you know, it's not always, one way is not always the best way yeah, to do things. Yeah. Multiple, multiple angles, even if you do wind up going one direction of thought. Yeah, you make that, that point well in the book. So why did you write this book? Well, again, John Shook and I were reflecting a couple years ago. Uh, John Shook, you know, wrote the, uh, the book, um, uh, Managing to Learn. And I'd written uh, A3 Thinking with Derward Sobeck. And those are more in the type two, what I will, I'll call in this, this uh, podcast and this upcoming book, type two problems, mainly gap from standard, uh, traditional problem-solving thinking, which is a big emphasis in Toyota. Because if you master that, you, you, can, you can branch out into the other types uh, pretty well. But, you know, John and I both, we get to go to a lot of companies in our position. It's one of the nice things about our jobs is is seeing different companies, different organizations, different people, and you see them trying to take an A3 report or or trying to do, you know, Six Sigma for that matter, a uh, rigorous statistical-based approach, and the situation doesn't call for it. It's, um, you know, there's situational leadership, for example. A famous book is about, uh, you know, four styles of situational leadership. That's right. And problem solving is very much like that, gang. 
it's not a one-size-fits-all. It, it is not just one way of thinking. You can say it's all a subset of critical thinking, of course, but that, that doesn't go anywhere. Eventually, you got to break it down into situations. What do I do in this case? What do I do in that case? What do I do in this case? What, what, how, how about this case? Yeah, you mentioned type two. Can you go through the uh, the four types quickly and maybe give people uh, an example from uh, real life? I, I know in the book, for instance, you use uh, changing a flat tire or a house that's on fire. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. So type one, called troubleshooting, and in, in Toyota, it's, strictly, it's actually called abnormality management. It doesn't sound well in English, but in Japanese, Ijo Shochi, you know, it sounds a lot more <laughs> positive and good. It just doesn't translate real well. But it's kind of the Andon system and quick response method of problem solving. And you have to realize that even in a good facility, you know, you know, Toyota's supposed to be the benchmark for this lean stuff, right? That's right, yeah. <laughs> if you go to the facts and go to the Gimba and measure how many Andon cord pulls there are in a vehicle plant in Toyota, there's about 10,000 on a busy day. Maybe, you know, maybe not on a slow day, maybe not a mature facility. We're talking ramp up, normal facility, two shifts, several thousand people. You're talking 10,000 and on cord pulls a day, which are minor problems, okay? Abnormalities. Pick, pick, you know, whatever word you want to do to describe them. And the name of the game is to get back to standard on those as quickly, safely, quickly, conscientiously, and correctly as possible. And the, the truth is, and a lot of people don't like to hear it, is you're, you're not getting the root cause and all of those at the fifth, sixth, or seventh wide level. You're not going into a Toyota Kata coaching session. You're not going full Six Sigma Demaic and doing a 30-part a uh, sample on process stability or control. There's a lot of troubleshooting in Toyota, which is not band-aiding. I think the number one headache or heartburn people from get, might get from this book is saying, oh, troubleshooting, that's not problem solving. You're just band-aiding. And I try and go out of my way to explain how it's good, quick, problem-solving based thinking in type one to get back to standard as quick as possible, even though you might not be, of course, getting the root cause. But you do make the point, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, that if that problem keeps coming back, then then you, you do uh, a, a deeper dive. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't end at type one. And these things overlap. Again, the people, you know... Uh, go to extremes in their arguments and things like that. And, uh, but but type 1, I, as I point out in the book, is not sufficient. If type 1 was sufficient, right, then you right. need type 2, type 3, and type 4 by definition. This is stop, However, stop the bleeding. It, it, and it's, I'd say it's even belong, beyond stop the bleeding. It contains it and might get at some causal aspects, but not at the uh, ultimate, ultimate root cause level that we go for in, in type 2. Because in type two, you are saying, okay, this problem has repeated or reoccurred, or the, the circumstances under which it occurred really caused a safety problem, a quality problem, something got through to a customer, a bad equipment downtime. Even if it's one time, it's severe enough that we cannot, we should not allow it to have this happen again. And that's where type two thinking comes in. And by definition, you got to go deeper. Mm-hmm got to slow down on these and you have to drill in and go deeper go after the proverbial you know fifth why root cause gather statistics and data and figure out what's really going on and it's it's again the two are complementary they, they don't they're not in you know in a, they're, they're not butting heads it's not one or the other it's often you have to do them in conjunction and so, this is where the example I use of the fire <laughs> I think right, makes yeah. more sense your house is on fire what are you going to do 
Now, the purists will say, we only root cause problem solve. You know, we are, <laughs> we are not troubleshooters. Okay, well, that means you go get your clipboard, you sit down on the curb while your house burns to the ground, and you think about what the root cause might be. All right, you don't By know that way, at this point. You're just going to put the fire out. Yeah, you don't know. You can't go into the Gemba. The Gemba's on fire, okay? You're prohibited by the fire <laughs> fire department from going inside. So there is often a sequence of events where, one, it's to put out the fire, keep people safe, and protect the surroundings. And that's, you know, containing the conditions, so to speak. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a necessary thing to do. Then once the fire is out, in this example, you can go deeper and say what caused the fire. Okay? That is different. Was it wiring? Was it cooking? Did somebody leave a, a, a cigarette out you know, or smoke in bed? Or, or was something else abnormal occurring? And that requires the, the drill down investigation and true rigor of a type 2. And what tools might you use for that? This is where you might pull out the A3 or the Six Sigma Demaic. Yeah, again, I'm not prescriptive on that one. Type 2. This is why I have a little section on the history of problem solving. You know, most of those are type two. Everybody invents their own way to go about type two, five, six, seven, eight steps. I mean, I don't, I don't care. At the end of the day, it's like golf. I just ask you what's on your scorecard. Did you shoot par or not? I don't ask you what golf clubs you play or what your swing thought was. Um, but yeah, so the traditional step-based method of, of DMAIC or, you know, Toyota practical problem solving or 8D for that matter. The, uh, the root cause analysis, you got all the traditional classic seven QC tools you know, five wise fishbone and all that stuff. You have statistical approaches and methods. Um, it, it's all fair game. Again, that, that again depends on the problem. There isn't one way. <laughs> and that brings us to type three. Yeah, so type three again, a lot of people say, well, okay, there's only problem solving. But they're ignoring an important distinction that Toyota and a lot of people have made for a long time. But there are caused problems, you know, that are gap, gap from standard reactive. There's a gap, okay? Something occurred, occurrence-based, if you want to think of it that way. Something occurred, I don't know what it is, but I, I now have a gap I have to address. And that tends to be causal analysis, root cause thinking, and critical thinking, convergent critical thinking routines dominate there. I call it AQD, analytical, quantitative, and, uh, you know, getting the details. Type 3 there may not be a problem. I can be at 100% on-time delivery with a five-day lead time. I, I can raise the bar and say I want to be 100% on-time with a three-day you know, delivery. Or I can be at 100% productivity, and this happens in a lot of companies, by the way, obviously. What do we do to the productivity standard next year? Well, we raise it three to five points. So now I have a created problem, a new problem to go after, one didn't exist before. And there's a distinction not only between the occurrence versus creative, there's an important distinction between critical thinking and creative thinking. Because with Kaizen, of course there is critical thinking involved, but there's also a higher degree of creative thinking and experimental trying things because you're not going after one root cause. And a value stream would be a bunch of things, even in setup reduction, when Toyota went from four hours you know, to three minutes over decades, it wasn't one thing, it was hundreds of things. So a higher degree of creative thinking applies in Kaizen and going beyond a known standard. It's an unknown solution space. Okay, before we move uh, to number four, I just wanted to uh, let our listeners know that we were, we were batting around the term uh, DMAIC in Six Sigma, and basically that's just, it's a five-step, it's, it's an acronym for describing a five-step 
process of define, measure, analyze, improve, and control, and that's often uh, referred to as DMAIC. Oh, sorry to interrupt. So we're up to step four. Yeah, so type four, and again, just like I distinguish between one and two is kind of a, a minor and a major, three and four, I'm now on the other side of the, uh, the line, you know, uh, three and four is minor, major, that the original Kaizen efforts in Toyota were focused creativity before capital. And the implication was this week, this month, this quarter, whatever the, the time span you were working on this with, we're going to creatively reorganize existing things. So your constraints are your existing materials and know-how, minor, minor capital, okay, but mostly creativity. Um, type four on the flip side, there's a time and a place where all, all dimensions have to be opened up. The, the, the product design, you know, the, 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 uh, the process design, the entire production system, the, the supplier integration component, and open-ended thinking. Type four is complete open-ended thinking with uh, no holds barred. Uh, going back to the fire example, can you give uh, examples for type three and four? Okay, so one would be, you know, fire, fireman puts it out. Two is we get to the root cause, it's wiring. Three would be, okay, there's a better way, you know, there's a better way to wire this. Or, for, or let's say it happened outside, you know. I can clear the landscape around my house because it's dry and we're going through droughts here in California. There are actually sections of the company that have to change the landscaping around their house, for example, mm -hmm. the nature of their, their plants and things like that to have clear spaces. And, you know, again, it could be, uh, more fire extinguishers. It could be a combination of things in three, but it's again, typically not a new method or process 100%. It's creatively doing something better in your house that says, oh, okay, if this, this, this reduces the chance or reduces it from happening, okay? Uh, whereas type four, we're, we're trying to invent something. You know, fire extinguishers were invented for a reason. Sprinklers and alarm systems were invented for a reason. You know, they're they came out of the tragedy of fires and things like that to uh, you know help you you know develop something new that, that mitigates it and doesn't doesn't eliminate it in this case you're never going to probably never eliminate fires due to you know lightning strikes and things like that but you can still come up with creative products that uh, you know greatly reduce the risk keep people safe and give you a better chance of battling them. Okay, uh, you mentioned Kaizen a, a couple of times and um, in in the book you put. Uh, Kaizen in with uh, type 3 or target condition thinking and I had always thought of Kaizen as a small scale continuous improvement but I think what you're getting at is there's really two types of Kaizen right there's uh, system Kaizen and process Kaizen well that's the way I did it in type 3 and again this all comes down to definition and semantics we have to be careful with the words because some people will say hey it's all problem solving and go that route and try and you know wave their arms and just stay in the clouds at the 10,000 foot level. Uh, other people will say, can, you can do the same thing with Kaizen. By the way, the Toyota way is, is you know, respect for people in Kaizen, right? So Toyota's saying, you know, everything's Kaizen. And it's just, you gotta pick one side of the coin uh, to explain. But it, it, the problem solving versus Kaizen distinction matters, gap from standard or not. Are you at standard? So what's happened in North America is I don't think we're ever clear honestly on that distinction very well. It just Kaizen came in and we're a sucker for foreign words in this this country. You, you put black <laughs> belts, you put, you know, martial art belts on it and a Japanese name like Kata or Kaizen and, you know, we just go crazy. Um, 
you know, and, and don't really understand what it is. And this, and this is coming from a guy like yourself who practices martial arts, I should point Ex out, right? Exactly, exactly. So, you know, Kaizen, if you want to get specific about the meaning, it's, it's creatively, you know, changing the ways that we do the work methods now to get a better result, a high, higher degree of creativity. And, and, yeah, you can call it incremental thinking. But what happened in America, you know, and I'm looking at this with, through a 30-year lens, going back, you know, when I started, you know, Toyota in 1987 and started seeing American companies dabble in this, is that people got introduced 30 years ago, by and large, to lean thinking through workshops. And again, that, that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But the, the mode was, okay, we'll do a workshop, we'll call it Kaizen, and we'll do everything under the sun and throw in the kitchen sink and go after it and call it Kaizen. Small gains, medium gains, solve gap from standard problems, go after everything. And some companies managed to make that work. Most did not. You know, most had this problem where results didn't stick, regression to the mean, things slid back, employees got cynical. Um, you know, I was in a company that was near bankruptcy experiment after two years of Kaizen events. Uh, 50 per facility, you know, quotas, the whole nine yards, wow. Kaizen promotion office. And, uh, you know, it took a long time to, to, to fix that damage. And they didn't, you know, they, we actually had to break them that, that case down in terms of system. What's our daily management system? How do we run the day hour by hour? Well, that's more akin to what I call type ones, problem solving. How do you run to your KPIs? everybody's got should have an annual plan KPIs and metrics target they're going after and when you have a gap at the daily weekly or monthly that's where there's type 2 thinking that comes in because you're short of your standard but then there's even the case where look I'm at standard I'm at 100% on time delivery I'm beating my scrap target I'm beating my productivity target etc well we're gonna raise the bar because the competition's moving so if you don't you're gonna get passed so type 3 technically should rest upon a firm base Stability, I call it, a good type one and type two, and then you can put type three on top of that and go farther. But we have this history in America of doing type one, type two, type three, calling it a, a salad or whatever you want of doing everything and hoping it sticks. And we throw it against the wall. Yeah, now you mentioned about learning uh, TPS uh, in the United States, but you learned it in uh, Japan at uh, at Toyota and at the forgive me if I mispronounce the name the uh, the Camigo engine plant. Where yep. that's and that's uh, pretty famous. It's where Taiichi Ono did his experiments in flow and, and, and laid the foundation for the uh, what became the Toyota production system. And your your boss was the I, I think he was a the maintenance manager who had to create the stability so that uh, Ono's uh, experiments in flow could work. So I'm just curious about how you learned problem solving. Did your your mentor your sensei Introduce you to these. Sit you in a classroom and introduce you to these um, uh, four four types of problems. Yeah. Again, we, we didn't call them four types of problems in Toyota, um, but again, there there are four different systems or ways of going after it. I'll argue in Toyota, and very few Toyota people have disagreed with me. It seems people outside of Toyota have more of a problem with this than <laughs> the people who work with Toyota. But look, your first experience in Toyota. You're hired in Japan, and I got just just dumb luck. I got to go to Ono's plant. You know, he had a home show where he did his real initial experiments in the '50s, and then Kamigo was his first like system breakthrough and new plant and setting it up. And it was the the model, the textbook for a couple decades. And, and what what past. year is this? What year are you there? Oh, so I started 1987. Okay. okay. 
Um, and my boss, Tom Harada, yeah, again, he, he spent you know over a decade sitting 10 feet from Taichi Ono and was one of the early guys in maintenance and engineering, by the way, in maintenance, engineering, tooling, who had to deal with the details of making the process stability work. Okay. Flow works great if the process is up and running. <laughs> yeah. Your process is down, you try in a machine shop, you got to remember equipment. You know, engine plants are different from vehicle plants. Vehicle mm -hmm. plants are people and material intensive. In an engine plant, machine tools doing all the work. So you, you go right. try that flow stuff when your when your uh, machine's not up and running. But anyway, so learning, yeah. Everybody in Toyota in Japan, you go work on the line first. So my first month, you know, months for that matter on the job were experiencing the Andon system. And that's, that's type one in Toyota, you know, those 10,000 Andon cord poles in a big plant or, you know, maybe a thousand a day in an engine plant for that matter. I experienced them as a line worker, screwing up standardized work, you know, not being able to put the gasket on in time, you know, things like this happened even though it was a freshman process for new employees. So all these little problems, we, we troubleshoot. Sometimes it's just the team leader responding and helping me. And again, I'm sorry guys, we're, that, that's not the scientific method. <laughs> That, that is not a deep dive. That is not, you know, five Y thinking. I got the next engine coming at me in 47 seconds. Get it right. Okay, what mm -hmm. do we got to do to get the next one right? So you spend a, a lot of your time in Toyota, at least in the early days, you know, learning how to how to work with the Andon system within your team. And even after I did that, since I was, you know, destined for overseas work, my boss put me on the maintenance side and the spare parts side and other areas. So I was on the what they saw the support side of the Andon. So you pull the cord and something's broken, or the oil's leaking, or a belt's broken. You know, I, I responded with the maintenance team. You know, carrying the belt, getting the spare parts, opening up the drawings. You know, getting the control panel, you know, uh, open and figuring out which relay wasn't uh, wasn't wasn't triggering, et cetera, et cetera. So you learn a good, quick root cause analysis, troubleshooting skills. But again, yeah, yeah, it's problem solving thinking, absolutely. But on not not all that stuff, you're not getting to the fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, why. Right, right. Best you can, because you're trying to make the production volume for the day safely with the scrap goals and productivity in, in mind. Mm -hmm. Not calling one-hour meetings, you know, to go do the five whys. How about, um, you get around a lot, you uh, visit companies, talk to managers, and so I'd like to ask you, uh, two-part question, is that, you know, what do you, have? do you see examples of uh, teams misusing a, a problem-solving tool uh, you know the like yes. and the, the one would for instance you know the problem-solving you just mentioned where people maybe instead of you know getting the line up and running again they they have a meeting or leave the floor uh, what do you see well m multiple things again continuing on the previous question though my, my, my training didn't end with mr. Harad on the type one he he instilled in me the proper respect for the shop floor, the Gemba, and the Type 1, mm -hmm. and making the daily goals from the production side and the support side. And then, of course, I did go through the company standard. You know, it's now eight-step. Back then, it was six or seven-step uh, problems. And then there was what we called SQC on top of that, statistical quality control. So I got my Type 2 training, and then you get your so-called freshman project and problem solving. And I was solving dimensional issues on crankshafts, okay? And then later on, I got to experience type three and, you know, one small example of type four. Uh, but, you know, back to your, your follow on question of beyond my training, what I see is I, I don't see the company companies getting the mixture of those four right. And let's just take, you know, type one. Everybody tells me they're great troubleshooters. And frankly, they're not. 
you know, if I start measuring and analyzing how they respond to these type one problems, hour by hour, they're as bad at type one as they are type two. And that's because the thinking routine actually isn't practiced. People will poo-poo it and say, well, you're not going to the, the HY, or you don't have a, a uh, process capability with a 30-part sample on that one. Yeah, well, guess what? You're not, you're not even getting to the second Y or third Y, <laughs> and you just missed a customer shipment. So your, your type 1s aren't working all that well either a lot of the times, gang. And the type 2 stereotypical example that I see, and it, it just boggles my mind, is, is uh, in root cause analysis, you know, there's people often try the fishbone approach. Right. And the fishbone is actually one of the seven original QC tools, and it comes from Professor Ishikawa. In fact, in Japan, it is called the Ishikawa diagram or the cause and effect diagram. And cause and effect is, this is where it gets critical thinking. You know, it is specific. What causes this effect? What causes that effect? And what Americans like to do and most cultures like to do is go in a meeting room, uh, put up something on a wall with white notes and say, now we're going to brainstorm it. And anything goes. You know, everything's good. Uh, all ideas are good ideas. Don't criticize. And that's what you do in creative thinking, but that's not what you do in fishbone cause and effect critical thinking. So mm -hmm. I, I jokingly see that and I go, okay, that's your wishbone. Now we're gonna we're gonna have to do a fishbone in addition to your wishbone game. <laughs> yeah. And we've we've talked before, and you've brought out the point that it seems that companies tend to uh, they have a favorite uh, approach to problem solving, and it becomes the uh, as you put it, hammer and nail. Yeah, the bigger the company, and you got I understand completely why this occurs, and I've, I've tried similar things, is we want to have a standard. You know, it sounds, sounds really good. Let's have a corporate standard way of problem solving. And, you know, the three biggest I see are, are the Six Sigma Demaic uh, approach, which is supposed to involve statistics, and then usually doesn't. They immediately go to Greenbelt and <laughs> basic tools, 80% uh, of the time at least. Then there's the Toyota kind of practical process steps, and there's 8D or kind of another you know derivative of that style of problem solving, but they, they want to have a corporate approach and again generic that, that's okay. I'm going to ask you at the end of the day what you shot on your scorecard you know versus par for 18 holes. Did you shoot 72? You know, I'm not going to ask you exactly what tool you used and how many times you used your seven iron for that matter. It, it how well did you use it? And companies get into this habit of what I call compliance. It's more important to comply with the tool or comply with the process than, than to deliver a result. Because frankly, that's much easier for anybody in a corporate role to say, you're not following the process. Right, well, right. We're not getting a result. <laughs> <laughs> we, at the end of the day, you know, I want both. So you can beat people up on not following a process, but you, you gotta also say, hey, we're not getting a result, why? And sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, it's a subset. Sometimes the reason they're not getting a result is applying the wrong tool. Or, or applying it, the right tool poorly. Yeah. So, what should what should teams or managers do before they they jump into uh, a methodology? Should they just step back and, and think of the, uh, the 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 four types that you you listen uh, you list in the book and just think now is this am I troubleshooting here or is it, is this a gap from standard? Is that the right thing to do? Well, yeah. Again, that's the naive, naive hope uh, you know that John and I were kind of hoping for in this book that you don't automatically jump into your favorite way. Because I, I also have a survey tool. It's not in the book. Maybe we'll do it a future podcast or a future part of the book. But I can, with 20 survey questions, I can predict which, which direction you're going to go in problem solving and which tool you'll like to use. And that tells me more about your personality 
and your selfish ego and way of going about business <laughs> than, than anything. Your for, your foremost concern needs to be results and the team and the customer and getting you know and then making the process work. And uh, you know the naive hope that it is that okay, if you're not getting results. And by the way, if you're getting results, fine. I'm not I'm not talking to you. But it, let's say you're not getting results to your annual plan or customer expectations. My general observation is that we have a a type one problem and type one system approach. It's not just enough to say problem. You have to have a systematic way of doing type ones during the day, okay, during on the job. And you have some combination of type two problems, surfacing, targeting, going after and executing the type twos. And that distinction is not always obvious, okay? That it could be one or the other effect dominating. In fact, I just finished up a very successful uh, time at, at uh, a paper mill company, and we, we'd be records of year after year of missing annual plans, and after a year with working with both, well, sequentially, <clears throat> they both knocked their annual plan out of the park, even though it was higher than previous years, and the business conditions were slightly worse. And in one plant, 80-20, as we uh, kind of look back at it, it was it was it was type twos. We we had to get those vital few type twos figured out and go after the root cause of some really recurring downtime, uh, machine issues and quality issues and what we call yield or loss issues. And then the next plan, exact opposite. It was eighty twenty on the type one side. Oh. It, it was just bleeding, 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 and problems that should have been repaired in fifteen minutes every day were taking forty five to an hour. Yeah. Or yeah. one minute took ten, five took fifteen, fifteen took an hour, or we did it. We made it worse during the troubleshooting, and it wound up being three hours and, and blowing the whole, uh, blowing the whole whole run, for example. So you often don't know until you dig in the details. <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah, that's a good illustration of the difference between and how important it is to think really to think about not just what method you're going to use, but what type of problem that's uh, is in front of you. Uh, and then I want to get we, we, so we talked a little bit about the the state of problem solving, but I, the second part of my question is the the state of lean overall. Again, um, you visit a lot of companies, talk to managers and executives. Uh, are they getting benefits from their efforts? Are they are they able to sustain them? Are people engaged? What are you seeing? Well, again, I see a spectrum uh, of things. But, you know, I'd kind of use the, the normal Gaussian bell curve distribution of results. A few seem to be doing very well. Uh, a few seem to be doing absolutely terrible, can't get off the ground uh, to help themselves and are constantly on the restart or trouble mode. And there's a big group in the middle, you know, one, one side of the curve or the other, um, having some trouble, often regressing, not going as far and as fast as they'd like to. They're not doing poorly always, but we thought we'd be... They often tell me, we thought we'd be better by now, we think we should be better by now, something is holding them back. And that, you know, again, there's an entire diagnostic suite of things I deal with companies, because I, how the heck am I going to know as an outsider? Uh, and I go through it systematically and form my opinion versus their opinion, measure some things, try and get some facts and data. And there's like 10 things I generically, you know, in a standard, pretty standard way go after and look at. And uh, one of those ten is always is, is problem solving, problem solving slash kaizen efforts and under lean. You know, wow. think think of lean as the macro system, and one of the supporting pillars or systems under that problem solving slash kaizen. But that that always comes up as a theme. 
That's that's interesting because there's, uh, you have a, a, a timeline in the book that traces the development of modern problem solving from 1896 when Vilfredo Pareto uh, promulgated his Pareto Principle. So modern problem solving methodologies have been around for more than 120 years. So why do you think we struggle to apply the most basic problem solving approaches? Yeah, a couple things. And again, if we, if we want to call it a derivative of the scientific method, we can now go back centuries. You know, and that's what I think problem solving is. It's a, it's a loose, loose derivative of the true scientific method, which I hold in, in high regard. Um, but you know, step by step problem solving, yeah, that's a 20th century phenomenon. We got a chapter in the book that talks about various, you know, five step models, six, seven, you know, on up to days, today's methods. But the tools have been around 100 years in a recognizable form, and you think, well, gee, we'd be good at it by now. But uh, a couple reasons, not necessarily. Uh, number one, it, it's not a knowledge problem, and people make this mistake quite a lot. They say we'll hold training transfer knowledge and we'll get better um, in a classroom and it, it by and large doesn't work because you're just transferring passive knowledge you're, you're not transferring actual skill or ability actual skill and ability comes from the repeated process of, of solving the problems using the, the tools to obtain a result and, and problem-solving training somehow always gets divorced from that you do the classroom stuff then you go back to your job and the two really never connect that well. Or if they do, there's just loose follow-ups, soft report outs, and you know everything gets lost in the daily blur. So one thing, again, the distinction I make is problem solving is a skill. And if it's a skill, you know, we're not all going to be LeBron James or Michael Jordan. Okay, there's going to be a curve of results. I don't think it has to be a, a normal distribution curve in this case. I think we can skinny the results and, and move the the status to the uh, the positive side, skew it to the positive side, but uh, it, it isn't simply knowledge. Reading the book won't make you better. Kind of like I, I can't read a book and get better at any of my martial arts that I do. You know, you, you got to put in your time mm -hmm. on the mat and, and, and get yeah, better. Yeah, good point. Um, and not everybody is going to become a black belt in martial arts. And we have this goofy system in training in America where you attend training and you're a black belt in, in problem solving. <laughs> And I, I, I asked a person with a black belt, you know, what, so what's your company Sigma level in terms of quality? He says, we're three, three Sigma. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, well, we're a 3.5 maybe. Okay, we're, you know, well, and you're a three point, let's admit, we're a 3.5 Sigma company. We're not a Six Sigma company. Please don't call yourself a Six Sigma company. You can have a Six Sigma training session, but our results are 3.5 Sigma. So let's, let's be honest and factful in our truth or say we're a 3.5 Sigma results company aspiring to get better. So it sounds and, like, sounds like you, your training, your introduction was almost the opposite, where you were you were responding uh, to uh, down down lines, down machines. Down, you know, you were doing it, and then and, and I'm guessing some of the uh, uh, some of the why, some and, of the reasons came in. And this partly mean why I look at it different, and people in Japan, you know, look at it differently than I think the American reaction to this book is going to be. Um, because in Japan you're hired out of high school or college you start at the bottom and work your way up so you, you develop this real fact-based appreciation for Gemba doing the work of the day and it's not a Kaizen event okay? there, there were no Kaizen events that I was part of on the shop floor you know, wow. during yeah. my early th developmental years in, in Toyota okay 
you're, you're learning how to do the day with the lace, you know, and, and get through it with the, the type one problems and the end on system and the type two problems, the recurring gap from standard stuff. So you start bottom up in Toyota, at least in Japan and uh, new employees. And then you work your way up and you get training in type twos. And type twos are a doozy, you know, that's nothing to sneeze at. If you can solve a type two problem in Toyota, that that's usually something pretty, you know, those aren't very easy, especially in Kamigo where I was, okay, surrounded by, you know. Yeah, an engine plant. So yeah. Engine plant with hundreds of people who grew up under Ono. So the type twos I was getting were dealing with microns. Your, your human hair is 30, is 30, uh, okay. 30 microns, for example. I'm dealing one thirtieth of a human hair in terms of dimension and capability we're dealing with a second here and a second there of uh, <laughs> problems and major downtime things that are really 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 deep in the root cause of the machine so if you, you know you graduate onto that type 2 rigorous style on Toyota and if you can solve those it's you know it's 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 quite impressive yeah if I'm not but, mistaken those are the, those are the most in-depth parts of the book right that when you when you talk about the type 2 and type 3 yeah, so I, w I went deeper. I think I'd have to count pages, but I tried to go deeper on type two because that is where, again, you, you have to spend more time, more critical thinking. Um, there's, there's the steps are more pronounced, the requirements are higher, and that's where it does get, you know, the critical thinking requirement does go up. Um, so we went deeper dive in that section, but, you know, wanted to do justice to all four legs of the table. You know, again, that's right. why I encourage people to look at it. Yeah, yeah, of course I can build a table with one leg. <laughs> How good is that? <laughs> and you're, Even two. you're a woodworker too, so you probably could build that table. I know. Uh, yeah, until the wind blew, you know, <laughs> or, or somebody touched it. But uh, two legs better, three stable now. Okay, but four stronger. Four the best, right? Um, so let, there's another uh, uh, unique part of the book. I think is the the last part, which is uh, a chapter on reflection. Um, so what, what was the purpose of including that? Well, it harks all the way back to John Dewey uh, and his comment that, you know, we, we like to say we learn from experience. But the truth is, in the heat of the moment, while you're experiencing something, you, you don't always learn. So, you know, for example, I diverticulated. I was supposed to go to the 20th Lean Conference in Brazil, and that morning I woke up, woke up in pain and went to the emergency room. I didn't learn anything when the pain was intense, but after they gave me the pain pill and uh, the shot and we... Uh, got the antibiotics in me and then did the, uh, the scope, they say, okay, yeah, your, your, your lower intestine's swollen, it's diverticulitis. You know, mm -hmm. we reflect and learn on what it is. And it's often, same on, say I did jujitsu now, it's not my best martial art, but it's my favorite recently. You know, I get, you get your guard passed, you're down on the bottom, you're gonna get choked or submitted in about three seconds if you don't know what you're doing. And it's only after it occurs, it happens so fast sometimes that while you're experiencing it, you don't learn. It's the act of, this is John Dewey's comment, not mine, the act of reflection after the experience where you can now sit down, put things into perspective, say what happened, how do I prevent that happening, or how do I turn a negative into a positive and reverse the situation. Um, so the spirit of that chapter, again, is John Shook's input, and I, I give all you know, credit to him. We, we stretch to do that section. Uh, let's have something where even after the four types, you're forced to say, yeah, okay, let's assess how well we're doing the four. Think about where we're strong, where we're weak, how we get better. Mm -hmm. By the way, did you make that conference? Yes, I did, but we had to troubleshoot. <laughs> you know, we didn't get the root cause. Okay, Everybody says there's one type of problem solving. Guess what? We still don't know the root cause of my diverticulitis. It happens once every year or two. 
we just treat it. Uh, thanks to our fine medical profession with uh, pain medicine and antibiotics, and I, I live accordingly. <laughs> but then I missed my direct flight to Brazil, and I had to go through Miami, take a, a red eye to Miami, and connect from there. So I got there on a much longer route with much less sleep. But you know, okay, we well, it was we found a corrective action that worked. I got yeah, there. the troubleshooting was successful. So I know yeah. we have to let you go soon, but just one one last question: Is there anything else you'd like readers to know about the book? We talked about the sections. We talked about the uh, unique reflection section at the end. Anything else? Uh, a couple things. You know, it's not the four types of problems. If you look at the title very carefully, it just says four types of problems. You know, like I could go with eight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'd come up with 16 <laughs> if I pushed myself. But I thought that four were the logical point to get beyond the stumbling points that I observed lean in. And, you know, when I wrote this book, I immediately knew two criticisms from America, North Americans in general, was going to happen. You get the, whoever the critiquer is has to be the smarter person, right? If I'm critiquing, I got to pretend to be smarter. If somebody's critiquing me, they got to show their intellectual superiority. There's only two ways to critique this. You can say there's one style of problem solving or there's more, right? You can agree there's four, but most people are going to say, well, there's really not four, there's only one. Mm -hmm. Or people are going to look at it as I do and say, well, there's really not even four. I'll probably go eight. (laughs) (laughs) I might go 16, you know, give me some time. Um, and whether you want to go deeper or macro, and that's merely back to the cube analogy of Isao Kato of which way are you looking through the cube? If you just want to look at it from the cube and say there's number one on that side and say there's one, okay, but if I rotate it, there's another way, right? There is occurrence and there is cause. So right away you got to admit there's two. One is crit- critical thinking, one's creative thinking. And once you say there's two, you've kind of stumbled and say, okay, there's not one. And all I did is after two was say, okay, let's say there's a minor and major of each of the two types, and that gets us to four. Mm-hmm. But and I, I clearly state, look, your, your mileage may vary. You want to have three, you want to have five. Good with you. But I will leave you with a Japanese but, proverb. Okay. Harada, my boss, Tom Harada. Baka no hitotsu oboe. He used to look at me all the time and say, an idiot knows one way of doing things. An expert should know many. <laughs> So who's the smart guy? The person who knows one way? That's pretty easy to memorize. I can walk around and quote one way. I can laminate that on a card, and I don't even need consultants. <laughs> so, But if you're going to add some value, I think you should know multiple ways, the strengths and weaknesses of each one, be able to diagnose the situation, apply it properly. And the question isn't about the way, guys. Get over that. What is your scorecard telling you? Par is 72. You're shooting 92. Don't tell me there's one way. <laughs> Let's talk about your gap from standard while you're 20 strokes over par. Yeah. You know, you just re- before I let you go, uh, just one one last question you reminded me of. When you were writing the book, you actually first produced a, a minimal viable product and then shared it with some potential readers, right? And you, you learned yeah. a lot from that. You got some feedback. Yeah, it was trying to do two things. We introduced the four types and we're trying to go deeper, even deeper on type two. So, I mean, there was probably potentially 100 pages on the four types and 100 pages on type two, so kind of a T-shaped framework. And they just said, look, wow, the the four types is enough. This is overwhelming. Just give us the framework. This is going to help us in most of our situations, was the unanimous feedback. And now follow-up works of some type, workshops, workbooks, uh, maybe videos are a smarter way to go about it demonstrate type 1, type 2, type 3, type 4 problem solving, type 1, type 2, type 3, type 4 systems um, for legs of the table. So we took that approach. We, we skinnied it down. There's still quite a bit on type 2, mm-hmm. but um, 
it's it's more about introducing the framework and the four types. So if people read the book, they'll know more than one type. Uh, they can't be accused in Japanese of being idiots. So I've, they'll know four. <laughs> they'll know four that's different a, ways. So that, that's a Tom Haradaism. He also used to tell people all the time, natto, not you know, Japanese food natto stinks. You know, it's very very rotten fermented beans. Natto also stands for no action, talk only. So <laughs> the Americans have that tendency: no action, talk only. Sometimes trying to be the smartest guy in the room and. We need to work on helping clients get better results and measure the client results less than not so much our own words. Art Smalley, thanks a lot. It was entertaining and educational. Thanks for doing the podcast. And by the way, Four Types of Problems is available at lean.org. All right. My pleasure. Thank you, Chet. Thanks, Chet. Thanks, Art. To learn more about Four Types of Problems, you can pick up the book at lean.org or you can come on to the Lean Summit this March in Houston. Um, it's a great lineup. Everybody from Coca-Cola to FMC to uh, ING and NASA. Did I mention NASA is going to be there talking about um, uh, community building and, and, and culture? All right. Thanks for listening and tune in next month.